Insider with your host Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by www.us.cision.com, whose world famous Bacon's Media Database is updated more than 10,000 times per day. Take your PR to the next level. Now, here's your host, Maureen Kettis. Welcome back, and I want to thank everybody who um, has been listening, uh, even with all the reruns. I was on holidays and things like that. But I'm really excited about today's show because I have a power hitter. Um, I, you know, I jokingly call her King Kung, but um, she's the president and founder of the Kung Group, and in her 20 years at the helm, uh, she's empowered many of uh, the world's top business leaders and enabling them to sort of motivate their workforce um, to uh, new levels of success. And it's immeasurable, mathematic systematic uh, success measurement. It's not a mumbo-jumbo uh, dream, dream state. Um, executives at Fortune 500 companies such as Cisco, Oracle, Apple, Levi Strauss, Juniper Networks, Genentech, Adobe, Shutterfly, and Nexus, uh, Nexus, to name a few, have um, become really loyal followers of her methodology. And um, we're going to learn uh, about it today. And so I want to welcome my guest, Jocelyn Kung. Thank you, Maureen. I'm so glad to be on with you. No problem. So let's just start because, um, you, know, you, you know, for lack of a better terminology, you call yourself a CEO coach, but it's so much more than that. So, so how do you describe what it is that you do? Well, I, t- I work with executives, so CEOs and managers, leaders, anybody that is in a position to actually drive an organization or a team. So these are high-influence people that really need to project as much power as they can um, from you know, a personal standpoint, you know, and I work with them to try to develop as much of that um, presence. So there's a, a lot of emphasis on really understanding what your unique leadership style is and then how to project that out in the most positive way, you know, in the most impactful way. Is it, when you're out getting clients, is it hard for them to sort of even admit that there's a problem? It's a funny, it's a funny way that people come to me. Sometimes, you know, they're, they're interested in making a change themselves. Usually it's because they've been promoted, um, they're sometimes running into some trouble because they're starting to have bigger and bigger responsibility that usually has to do with leading people. So um, I might get a CEO that was a very strong entrepreneur, a very um, you know technical guy that really needs to start running a company now, and that's a different set of skills. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know most of the time they're motivated learners because there's a lot at stake. Right. Now, you don't just coach the CEO. You, you go into the depths of the company. Can you explain a little bit? Yes, about yes. So I, I, I don't think of myself as a sideline coach because, um, you know, that gives you one perspective that's sort of very limited, you know, in terms of just how a person sees themselves. So I usually contract to come in and work with the team. So I'll work with the leader and get to know the folks on the team and understand what you know, what's the dynamic? What's going on? What are the things that are working and what are the roadblocks? Uh, a lot of times the roadblocks have to do with conflict that doesn't get expressed properly, you know, that just starts to hold the team back. So allowing them to figure out how to deal with that, put stuff on the table, and start to function more as a high-performing team really involves getting everybody on board. And, and um, how do these, how do you measure that that you're, 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 how do these people realize that that the Kung Group's work is is measurable and and can actually lead to better success? It's a great question, Maureen, because a lot of times the the um, transformations, a lot of people have used that word, and I know that's a pretty powerful word, really come more from an, a feeling. You know, the person starts to feel more powerful, starts to see changes happening around them. Um, and lately I've been looking at a way to actually track and measure it because a lot of my audience really values the analytics, you know, in a way to prove that there is some kind of an impact that's business-related. Mm-hmm. So we are starting to try this new tool that I was telling you about called Copy, mm-hmm. which allows us to actually track performance and track the motivation levels in the system that get impacted by stronger leaders. Uh-huh. Well, let's talk. Let's you know. I wanted to actually talk about COPE later, but since you brought it up, let's let's talk about it now. COPE stands for what? 
It stands for the Kung Organizational Power Index. Okay, and what is that, and why do I need it if I'm a CEO? Well, it's this is the question around how to measure, and most companies, and you know, a lot of the leaders in these companies are very used to driving performance, mm-hmm. business results, strategies, market share, customers. All these things are top of mind, obviously, for all these leaders, and they're used to measuring and tracking and setting goals around that. Mm-hmm. What they're not so used to paying attention to is motivation. So when uh, you know, as a result of all these years of work for me, I've really come to believe that motivation is the most important indicator. It's a leading indicator and a predictor of performance. Whereas performance is really more of a lag. You know, it's after you achieve results that you're able to track and measure financials. So the COPE index is a very simple index. Think of it as a way to just measure corporate culture, and it takes the employees' view on how well they're performing against their maximum potential, and how motivated they are. We ask employees to tell us on a scale of 1 to 10, how motivated are you in this current job compared to the most motivated you've ever been before? And when you put these simple numbers together, you start to get these um, uh, results that tell you, you know, and we're testing this now in our current base of companies, and we're starting to see some really interesting things the companies that are doing very well are companies that actually pay attention to motivation and give it equal importance to driving uh, performance. Companies that don't do very well, you know, can sort of drive performance so hard that they work people to the ground and they don't pay attention to how people are feeling, their engagement levels, how excited they are about their work. And, and you know, so it's, you know, when you say they're not paying attention to how they're feeling, it sounds so sensitive for, yeah, for a company, yeah. for corporate America, you sort of don't, don't picture them being caring about people's feelings, but wh- why does that matter and why is motivation, why does motivation lead to success? And then there's a third part of the question and it is how do you um, get someone motivated? But answer the first part of it if, if you would first. And well, it's a great question because you think about motivation and what motivates you, mm-hmm. um, you know, think about it for yourself. Right. If I asked you um, how you felt about the most exciting job that you ever had, mm-hmm. and you tried to imagine that, think about it for yourself. You know what kinds of yeah. things come to mind? Uh, you know, very excited, very you know, jumping up and down, and you know, calling everyone I know, and feeling really like I can't wait to do more. There, there, there are a lot of feelings underlying that that are positive emotions. You know, and a, a good friend of mine just, I'll put a plug in for her, just wrote a book called Raising Happiness. Mm-hmm. She's a sociologist at UC Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Her name's, uh, I'm going to blank on her name right now, but anyway, oh, okay. it's a book called Raising Happiness. And she said to me, I love this idea, that happiness is a skill. And basically, if you think about it, happiness is really about positive emotions. Uh-huh. Motivation is about positive emotions, and the more positive emotions you can create in the workplace, you really, I think of this as energy. It's like a fuel tank, right? And so what's your gas level? Your gas level is the motivation level of your employees in the organization, and it can appear to be an intangible, invisible thing because it's not something that you necessarily can see because they are feeling-related. So the feelings get translated to energy. The energy gets translated into action you know, things like people willing to work super long hours, but they don't get tired because they're so excited about what they're doing. Um, people willing to help each other, you know, share information that they may not share because they're not afraid that they're going to get, uh, you know, that they're competing in ways that they're not going to win and the other guy's going to win. So, so that positive so energy actually... when you come actually, in with a copy um, measurement and you see that people are, you know, let's say company X, you see that their employees... You say to the CEO, look, at I did all these surveys, and your people are not motivated. Well, now you're telling him basically his company's sick. It's not well, and it needs to get better. So right. How, do you, how does the CEO now take this information and turn it into a positive? Does the Kung Group do that for them, or you just give them a, a diagnosis? We, we certainly do that for them. I think what we like to try to use a survey for is a wake-up call of sorts. You know, it will highlight the few things um, I try to really summarize for the leaders. What are the top three things that are the biggest drivers for motivation in your workforce? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, besides the obvious things like pay, which need to be in place for people to feel good enough to stay. In other words, you know, people don't usually stay because they're paid really well. 
Um, they stay, pay can be a reason for people to leave, you know, if you're not paid enough. But the real motivators are usually things like um, feeling involved, highly, you know, connected to what's going on in the business, um, feeling that they're making decisions and that they have power to make the decisions that, that impact their lives, um, working with people that they trust, uh, feeling recognized and appreciated for what they do. So, so we'd, we'd surface the top few things that employees are finding to be the key drivers of motivation, mm-hmm. and we'll look at ways that the management team can make sure that they have practices and programs in place to support those things. So when we have a company that is low in motivation, it usually helps to be able to show them that there is this number, an index that gives them a sense about where they stand, you know, against other companies. Mm -hmm. And the way that we do our calculations, you also are able to tell where the tilt is. Is your company moving more towards health or is it moving more towards sickness and decline? Mm. So... Uh, this stuff tends to be more powerful for my audience because they do want to be able to quantify this, see the impact on the business results, and track and measure it over time. Mm -hmm. Um, And and if a company is doing really well, like let's say um, Apple's doing really well right now. um, I'd love to survey Apple, so if anybody's listening, call us. (laughs) Oh, you want to survey Apple, okay. We want Apple, we want Groupon, we want the cool companies. So so does Apple... uh, well, your your customer list is unbelievable. Um, but does Apple uh, need someone like you? Uh, and you know what? We're getting the music from Mr. Justin, so uh, my sound engineer. So, Justin, thank you. I got it. And we will be back in a minute. But I want to talk about if, if, a, if a well company needs this uh, Kopi Index. We'll be back in a minute with Jocelyn Kung. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. What is whole person healing via body, via mind, and via spirit? It's a dedication to the widest selection of healing practices worldwide whenever possible. Hosted by Professor Rustam Roy, a noted material scientist and the founder of Friends of Health, who will be here each weekend with the most in-depth information about whole person healing from the world's leading practitioners, spokespersons, and major supporters for this viewpoint. Tune in every Saturday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back again, and we are talking to Jocelyn Kung, the president and founder of the Kung Group, and their consultants, coaches to CEOs and, and major, major corporations, as well as uh, smaller, uh, you know, very uh, important groups. Uh, they did a, a bit with the Stanford Medical School, 
And uh, we were talking about her index of actually measuring uh, company motivation and, and uh, human resource motivation and this COPE index that she created. And um, welcome back again, Jocelyn. Thank you, Maureen. So we, we, we understand why um, motivation is important, but um, uh, on a sick company, um, but on a well company, a company that's healthy and feeling good, you know, like an apple, why would they need your services? Well, all the more. I think that when we do this actual survey, um, the next level that I can explain about it is that we put you guys, we separate the population into a few zones. Okay. So you've got the really power players in the power zone. These are the high performers, highly energized, you know, super um, fabulous employees that you want to make sure that you're promoting and giving them every opportunity possible to spread okay. the energy. Um, you'll also find that we've got power zone players, we've got neutral zone players, which are the folks in the middle, um, and then you've got the drag zone, obviously, which is where you don't want to be, but usually there's a little bit of a population in all, all three areas. Mm-hmm. So even for a great company, they're going to get a distribution, and I think it's interesting to, to find out what it is that people are excited about in the power zone, how to keep, keep that going. Right, and in the neutral zone, that's an interesting place because these are folks that are in a bit of a holding pattern. You know, there's something going on there where either performance or motivation is a little roadblocked. So, kind of trying to figure out what's going on there and how do we move them up? You know, how can we right. get them closer to the power zone? It's a wonderful diagnostic tool that will give you a sense about where your strengths are, and that's always good to know. You know, there's a saying in my business that you want to be a consciously competent person. Mm-hmm as opposed to an unconsciously competent person. (laughs) So, you know, uh, for an Apple, for instance, I'm sure that there's tons of things that they're doing well that they're aware of, but it doesn't hurt to shine the light on that and make it something that you can actually, um, you know, promote and cascade in a much more, you know, intentional way. Right, and even a well company, I imagine, can get sick very quickly. Absolutely, absolutely. It just takes a little bit, you know, and even in these great companies, I've certainly worked in a number of them um, that have won awards and great place to work type situations, have pockets of toxicity, pockets of places where employees are very dis- disengaged. And just kind of getting up the, you know, ahead of that so that you make sure that it's something that you pay attention to is a great idea. Right. And that, okay, now I understand that. So, um, so what are some of the you know when you're working with um, CEOs and or individuals down the line? What are some of the biggest problems that you run into um, that are that are in transition that that are being forced to or, or wanting change? Well, you know, so the biggest personal problem that people have when they're in transition, and that's actually a good lens to use because that's when I usually get involved, mm-hmm. is just a difficulty in letting go. Do you know what I mean? It's just letting go of something that's very familiar to you, comfortable. It could be something that you're really good at doing. It could be, um, you know, a relationship or a, a, that you have with a certain team that you mm-hmm. need to move on t- and change. Um, it could be a skill that you're great at that's not that important anymore. Mm-hmm. So being able to actually let go of that and move into a dark zone where you're not so sure what to do next is a very, you know, it takes courage and it takes an openness to moving in that direction, and that's where I end up being a bit of a guide because you've got to navigate what's going on externally, and also I have a strong belief that you have to be very self-aware. You know, you have to know yourself, and you have to kind of go back inside and ask yourself questions that may be kind of hard to ask. For instance, you know, how does my ego get in the way? Some of these uh, um, very successful people have healthy egos, I would say, you know, (laughs) and, um, you know, that serves them well to give confidence and direction and drive. Sometimes if it's overdone, it can get in the way. Uh, can you give their... us an example of, of this with, with, you know, running into some problems or uh, so, someone who handled it with ease, like an actual, you don't have to mention the name of the, the CEO or the company, but give us a sort of, put it into, into a picture for us. Um, I, I've got somebody I'm working with right now who's just incredible, incredibly bright, as, as most of them are, you know, highly intelligent, great visionary, um, very left-brained, very analytical, very hard-driving. I don't know if you've read that. You know, everybody's talking about this Wall Street Journal article about the Chinese mothers. Do you know oh, what I'm yes. About? I actually heard her on NPR. And Did you really? She was, she was mortified by that article. Oh, oh, right, right. I just read 
I read it the other day. It was sent to me by one of the the uh, VPs that work for the CEO that I'm expl- I'm talking to you about, saying, you know, this is exactly what our CEO is like. Um, and so, and is she Chinese? It's actually not a woman. Okay. Uh, and I won't answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea, you know, you get the picture. It's a hard driving, very. Um, Tough-minded, uh, lecture, 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 tell, tell, tell orientation, mm-hmm. and it's you know I, I have had conversations as recently as yesterday about the importance of bringing a balance to that, and um, you know I just asked the other I asked him yesterday, how do you motivate people? And he said to me, I don't think about that. People should be self-motivated. Wow. And so I said it's a blind spot. You know, and just think about this. If you open the door to asking this question, what might happen to this organization that's already doing really well, but it's missing something? There's some kind of a spirit missing. There's some kind of a, you walk the halls and there's a little bit of a deadness. You're hitting all your targets. You know, people are doing their jobs, but there's a little bit of a malaise happening here. And what can you do about that? So, you know, he listened to me, and I think we're we're on the path towards looking at some different things that he can do to try to engage differently and ask people some questions. There, You know, Maureen, the thing that I'm finding is that they're really subtle, small moves that make a huge difference because most of these folks have all the right stuff, right? They're already brilliant. They've got great skills. They're, they're visionary. They've got huge operational, you know, talent, mm-hmm. and most of them are looking to actually drive more of an inspirational workplace. You know, how do you actually create more energy? And this why, concept why of motivation as energy is one that I love. Motivation is? It's fuel. Yes. Why is it so hard to change, and, and, and can these guys really change? Because, I mean, the change in the company and the change in the employees is going to happen from the top down, right? But can, can they change, and, is it, and why is it so hard for them? to not see what it is that is is so obvious to an outsider. I absolutely think they can change, and it all starts with the question of are they motivated to change. So there's that word again. Um, And they're motivated for different reasons. You know, um, sometimes it's because they have to. A board board of directors will come down hard and say, you've got to, you know, improve or we're going to take you out of the job. That's a form of motivation. Um, Oftentimes it's because they're really driven to get to the next level. Mm -hmm. And... um, you know, to me, the change is a combination of making some individual changes themselves, and there's obviously a ceiling on that because we can't turn ourselves into different people. So I have a strong belief that we're, we have to grow from our strengths, and I spend a lot of time trying to understand what is unique and special about these folks. And from that place, you grow, and you take it to the highest level. But then the other part of change, which is really interesting, is how to leverage the, the people around you and many of these guys tell me that they make a transition at a certain point in time where they go from getting things done by brute force, you know, because they're hard drivers, they're pushers, they just, you know, win at any cost. Failure's not an option. After a while, that just doesn't scale. It, it doesn't work. And so you need to look at doing some things differently, and many times the leverage comes from bringing on people that complement you um, shining the light on others that will, you know, fit into the pockets that you're never going to be great at. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain kind of, you know, insight involved in being able to pull that kind of a team together. And also I think a generosity to be able to let other people shine. So it's a combination of many factors, which is why I like to work with the whole team. And it's not just the one person's perspective because the, the leverage of, you know, a group of uh, seven or 12 folks running a company or running a team, getting that all those wheels moving mm-hmm. together in synchrony is the magic. And, and when, you're, when you're working with these teams, you're working with the executive level of the company. Are you not going down to the janitor, or are you? Well, most of the time, given, you know, yes, I try to come in at the highest level possible because it, obviously that has the most amount of impact, you know, the mm-hmm. most potential for a scopey change. Mm-hmm. Um, and after having done this for a number of years, that tends to be where I play these days. But we do support, you know, my, my idea is that we've got to start with the top as much as possible, create a blueprint that they believe in that really kind of represents the DNA that, that's uniquely theirs, and then stamp that through the organization. 
and again, this is both a top-down and a bottoms-up process. That's what's so great about Copy because it gives you the information from the bottoms up. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could give you another quick example, we just yeah, did we like examples with another company whose CEO is kind of floored because we did the Copy survey a couple of months after their normal employee survey, and when he got the Copy survey results, he said, "Oh my God, you know, I didn't get any of this in the normal employee survey." There's all this truth coming so, out. So you have you had a lot of experience with human resources, but what is a normal employee survey, and what's the difference in your to your survey with the Copy and the Copy? A survey? normal employee survey would be one in which you you know you you might get asked 50 questions, you know, bucketed in the very you know typical categories of compensation and you know recognition and clarity of your role, very you know structured questions, um, music. Yeah, we. Oh, you heard the music. They heard the music. Aren't into that. See, she's got her ears listening. <laughs> Do you want me to stop well. talking? We're getting the music. So we'll we'll talk about the difference between an employee um, survey and a copy survey, and we'll get into some more questions. I want to hear about your background and how you got into. All that. right, thank you. Back after a word from our sponsors. I'm back with Jocelyn Kung of the Kung Group. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between... Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. Never be satisfied. Let that be a lesson you take away from Double Time with Double D, featuring businessman and former NFL star Dave Duerson. We'll talk about the NFL with special focuses on the game itself, and Double D will take your calls and answer your emails live on the show. It's not Football 101, but rather an in-depth look in the locker room, on the field, away from the field, and opening up the mind of the player. The program will also feature positive messages. So tune in to Double Time with Double D, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you ready to get freed up? Join Dr. Jennifer Freed, one of America's leading psychological thinkers, for a groundbreaking program with fascinating guests and full participation from you. Freed Up will explore topics like liberation in long-term relationships, parenting in the 21st century, comfort in stressful times, and much more. Tune in to Freed Up every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and wake up to the heartbeat of your life. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back again, and I'm on with uh, Jocelyn Kong, who's talking all about motivation and CEO coaching, and you know it, how to assess whether your company is healthy, unhealthy, and how to, how there's always pockets for uh, change and improving that. Welcome back again, Jocelyn. Thank you, Maureen. Just before we we start, because we were talking about surveys, but um, tell the audience your um, your email. I mean your <laughs> website. 
Sorry. Your website. Or, or your email. You can give that out as well. If your your uh, website at least so that they can find you. Um, the website is uh, jocelynkung.com. Okay, great. And um, so you can check that out. And um, so we're talking about the, the difference between the, the COPE survey and, uh, and a regular employee survey. And you just had a client where they were just stunned because your survey found so much more. So you can tell us more about that. Yeah, and we were talking about what goes into a regular employee survey. And usually right. there's a lot of questions, you know, and 50 to 100 type of questions under categories. And lots of data comes out of it, lots of, uh, you know, analysis. Um, oftentimes when I've been involved in it, they don't really lead to any massive change. And especially in this case of the employee, the company that I'm talking to you about, it was somewhat tied to employee performance appraisals. So the better you did in the survey, the better your compensation was. Wow. And obviously that affected the way that people would answer the survey. Now the difference with the COPE survey for us is we actually don't, we only ask four questions. So we ask four questions that are, that where you need to rate, and then there's just two open-ended questions in which people put comments, and 90% of the people that fill it out put comments. So because it's so open-ended, people tell you what they want to tell you, and that leads to, I guess in this particular case, just this extreme honesty that raised two or three huge issues that were not the CEO was not aware of, and he's very quickly put some remedial programs into place that we, where we can track and measure Wow. The, the and can you tell us what the four questions are, or is that proprietary? Sure. I can tell you the questions. You know, you can actually think about it for yourself. The audience can do this as we're, we're talking about the questions uh, uh-huh. right now. So here's the first one, and there are sort of two questions with two parts each. So the first question is uh, to think about, again, on a scale of 1 to 10, what the highest level of performance you could achieve in your current role. Right. What's your maximum potential in the job that you're doing today? And the part B of that is at what level are you performing on a scale of 1 to 10 in this job today? Then we go to the next set of questions, which is what is the most motivated you've ever been in your life in a job, 1 to 10, mm-hmm. versus how motivated are you today in your job on a scale of 1 to 10? Mm-hmm. So um, I just feel like these two sets of questions kind of get at the heart of a person's productivity. What, what's the max that they, you know, how, how are they performing in their mind against what their potential is? And how excited are they about the job? Again, what, you know, how much positive emotion or fuel is there for them? Right, right. Wow, and that just opens up a whole whole can of worms. Right, right. And I'm actually having people tell me their numbers, right? And so if you look at... Uh, X times Y there, something, you know, between 1 and 10 for, we only use part B for our number crunching. You start to see some uh, break, you know, we trend it and look at what would cause a person to be in the very high scores. And my, our research is telling us that, you know, people are scoring on the high side. So basically, you're not in the power zone unless you're scoring 9s or 10s. And that would be the goal, you know, for all of us. We want to feel that we're ex- we're extremely excited about what we're doing and we're performing at a maximum capacity. So why shouldn't we be functioning at nines or tens? But many, many people are not at that level now. And so even on an individual basis, I find it to be a great diagnostic. Mm-hmm. So just so you can ask yourself, what am I missing? Why, you know, what are conditions that would cause me to feel much more excited about my job? And what are the tools and support that I need to perform at my best? What's some of the what's some examples of of the most successful changes you've ever seen uh, from your work? What are the you know some proud moments for you? Well, I guess I could answer that two ways. One is on an individual level. You know, when I see people really start to get things, mm-hmm. um, where they they come and you know they tell me that they're transforming and that I can actually watch some of this happening. Um, whether, you know, and I've got examples of people that are at the early stages of their careers all the way to folks that are ending their careers and moving into their final stages of life. Um, so the, the great joy that I get from this is being able to walk with folks that are, you know, people that are curious and people that are continuously wanting to learn and grow and change 
and impact the world around them. Mm-hmm. So I get tremendous satisfaction out of that. Um, when I see the impact that they have on others, you know, and at times you can actually see the difference. You know, I've got a company right now that's um, set a goal to really up-level their senior staff so that all of the people on the senior staff are more business-focused, externally focused, and they wanted to pull up an entire, the next level of leaders, you know, which would be underneath the executive VPs, turn them into the people that run the company. Mm -hmm. That's a huge request, you know, so we can say that we want to do that on paper, and it's taken about a year for us to pull this off where you've got the execs kind of starting to function at a higher level. You're pulling up this next level, and you're truly giving them the responsibility for running the company on a day-to-day basis. Um, We can say that we want to do that, but the mechanics of making that happen, of getting everybody engaged and aligned and clear and feeling like there's enough credit to go around is all stuff that takes time. And, you know, I can say that I'm very proud of this company right now that's actually pulling this off. And, wow. you know, right this, this coming week, this Monday, we're going to be, you know, doing our second QBR, quarterly business review, that's being run entirely by this next level of manager. And it's a very proud moment for the CEO and the execs to be able to pass that on and see your kids doing well. Wow. Back to the Chinese mother story, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Without being quite so hard on them. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, a great example. And what what did they do that was... That made, you know that I know they they listened to you, but what did they do that you think was the, like sort of the hallmark of of why this profound change was able to happen? Well, and and, and here's where it's this choreography. I I think of my job sometimes as being this choreographer. I tell them, you know, you guys are really great dancers individually, but you don't dance well together. Mm-hmm. So this isn't about you watching yourself in the mirror. You know, you've got to pull pull off this whole thing where everybody's dancing in coordination. Mm-hmm. So it starts with the CEO putting the mandate down, saying that you guys need to start, you know, growing to a higher level of thinking, being more innovative, taking risks, and stop minding the store. They mind the store because that's what they know how to do, right. you know. And then, so that's a change that's not easy for these guys at the top level. Uh-huh. Then once they start to get it and move up, You've got to get them to do the same thing so that they let go and give the opportunity to the next level down. Mm-hmm. And usually this shows up in decision-making. And it's a very simple question that I always ask is, what decisions are you making and what decisions are you giving away? And you should not be making any decisions that somebody else could be making. You know, that you want to train and give away as much of that as possible. So in this particular case, giving the decisions to the next layer down on how to manage priorities and in the business world, you know, making trade-offs is probably the biggest problem that, that, that we have, right? Because there's limited resources and lots of possibilities on how to spend your money. So um, most of the companies I work with struggle with this day in and day out. How do you manage a roadmap? How do you decide what to spend money on, what to go for? Um, how do you keep the trains running on time while you're trying to develop innovative and new products? So these aren't easy questions, and there's, answers are difficult. So being able to give that responsibility to the next layer down is not something that folks feel comfortable with in a lot of these places. But and how, yeah, what do you do when you have somebody who's a control freak? They don't, they can't. Do exactly. Um, that's part of the the journey, you know, is having the person do the work to be able to understand that they are acting in a control, controlling way, overly controlling way. Um, sometimes they see it, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they have to get beaten into it, you know, because Uh they just start to see that they run out of time or they're not successful. They start to falter. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, in this particular case, we were able to make that change over a period of about six months to get this new team up and running and driving much of the operations of the company. So, you know, back to your question about a proud moment, it's it's, it's one that I think now the team feels very proud of, so that it's a win for everybody. And and uh, and and I think it's you know based on what you're saying is that you you try to when you come in and, and correct me if I'm wrong you don't try to take credit for this you try to let them take the credit for this. oh absolutely as much as possible try to be the behind the scenes um, you know in fact I'm sitting in this company today where uh, I'm looking around at the whole group. I, I don't know most of them. There's only 150 people here, but I've been here over a year. I spend most of my time 
with the senior people. And it's very gratifying just to see the whole company come together and the energy that, that they share with each other. And how has uh, that translated into actual dollars? Or has, you know, has it or hasn't it yet? Or? Well, in, in this case, you know, this company just exceeded their, their goals for 2010. You know, they've got very aggressive goals for next year uh, to triple their, their revenue numbers. Whoa. And so, you know, I don't think that they can achieve that without having some kind of a blueprint in place. And at some point, these companies and teams need to pay attention to it, and they have to treat it as its own discipline, building a company, building a team. Oh, my God, we're getting the music already, Justin. So, all right, we're going to have to take another break. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk to you on our third and final segment. I want to talk to Jocelyn Tung about how she got into this business and um, and what to look for if maybe you need the Kung Group. We'll be right Thank back you. after a word from our sponsors. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between... Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to PR Insider with your host Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back again. Thanks for staying tuned in. I've been talking with Jocelyn Kung of the Kung Group, and um, we're talking about motivating CEOs and companies to um, do better, and it's getting into human emotions and and, uh, human resources, obviously, the psychology of people working together in corporate situations and how that is the most profound start for success. Uh, Welcome back again, Jocelyn. Thanks, Maureen. So I wanted to find out about your background because it's such a unique thing that you do, and it's 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 almost hard to put into words. You, you know, this barometer of uh, measuring the health of a company from the psychological standpoint of human interaction. Mm-hmm. So how did you become an executive coach in this field? 
Well, I started my career as a salesperson at Macy's. I used to work in the men's underwear department. (laughs) I (laughs) supported my way through college and couldn't get a job when I got out of college. And so I stayed at Macy's and joined their executive training program Mm -hmm. um, and really just didn't like it, just didn't like the full-time retail gig. But I fell in love with the management training courses. Mm-hmm. So as a result of that, I just thought, I want to do that. I want to teach. And mm-hmm. luckily got myself into a, the first big job where I was a training director for a fireman's fund. And they just put me in an airplane, and I just started traveling around the country teaching all of these branch managers how to be great leaders and great executives. Mm-hmm. So I just uh, started my career sort of as a trainer, and I spent about 10 years heavily involved in teaching, eventually at in Europe as well, at Management Center Europe. Then I went on to become an executive internally in in companies. I was a VP of Human Resources for Esprit and stayed, uh, you know, did that for a while. So I understand what it's like to sit in that chair, you know, the pressures, the feeling of having to drive the results as well as handle all of these people problems. Mm -hmm. Um, And the last portion of my career, I've really focused on, executive coaching, and this is the area that I love. I love working with um, management teams and helping them grow their companies. So I think uh, the varied background that I have from teaching and being an executive and really uh, time in the trenches with leaders as a consultant uh, has given me an approach where it's easy for me to just walk in intuitively, find where the, with a laser-like, you know, ability to just kind of go in and find where the opportunities are. Where's the heartbeat of the company? How do you promote that, and what are some of the biggest obstacles in the way? Um, it's been, for me, all, up until this COPE process, a very intuitive process, mm-hmm. and I'm so excited about having something that is actually a program that we can break down into some steps and show some measurable results against. Yeah, and, and your, your, your track record of clients, I mean, it's the biggest of the big. I mean, Oracle and Cisco and Levi Strauss and Apple and Juniper and Genentech, I mean, the list goes on and on, so... Obviously, uh, you're doing something that, that resonates with people. But, you know, one thing that we were talking about on the break, and I think is, is sort of funny, because I do, I do a lot of yoga, and, but you're talking about your business is a mathematical, quantitative way to measure these, these new age approaches to things. About, you're talking about feelings. I mean, CEOs don't go into business thinking about other people's feelings within their, that, who work under them. They're, they're thinking about results. You're, you're talking about transformation. You're talking about uh, one of the things you talk about uh, in some of the stuff I've read is the difference between vision and sight and uh, consciously competent and these kind of things. And how does that, how do you prevent that from uh, having people afraid uh, that, you're, uh, that you, what you're doing is not going to give them a good ROI? Well, it's interesting because I would not use some of those words when I'm working with my clients and the words transformation and if you read some of the testimonials that I have are mostly coming from them. So (laughs) that's the beauty of it, right, that I approach it from an ROI perspective and a business strategy perspective and an Mm -hmm. architecture perspective. You know, what's the blueprint for change Mm -hmm. and how are you going to move the organization forward? Um, And part of the magic, I think, with this is it's a way to enter into the conversation about emotions and humans that doesn't threaten or appear scary to people because it's just uh, attached to the first and primary purpose, which is to win. And you start there. You start with the concept of what does winning look like and how are we going to get there. Uh, you know, you would never want to hire a person like me to come in and work on Psycho, you know, psychoanalysis or just making people feel good. All of this is purposeful and it's driven towards achieving business results. So that perspective, I think, opens the door to the conversation. Mm-hmm. And um, because I have an MBA and I grow up, I've grown up in the business world, it's my arena, I understand the language. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also a person that's a more heart-oriented person. So I find that I can bring the blend of that into the business world in ways that they see practical application, relevance and credibility, and results. Um, so the words like transformation and self-awareness and emotional uh, you know, growth usually don't come out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> 
if you would scare them all off, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things you were talking about um, during the break was uh, this difference between vision and sight. What is your take on that? What is the difference between vision and sight? And then, and and further, how do you cultivate your vision? Well, I th- this is a concept I've been mulling over and loving lately. It's um, the idea that sight is when you look with your eyes at something and you react to it versus vision where you look through your eyes and you create something that doesn't exist that comes from your imagination. Well, we need a combination of both to exist, but the higher up you get into management and leadership and the more you want to have an influence and impact, you have to cultivate your ability to vision and vision. And that's not an easy thing for people to do, you know. And I actually just using these two words to help people understand the difference has been helpful mm-hmm. because and I, it shows up for me in my coaching sessions. When people are very sight-oriented, 80% of the conversation is about obstacles. It's why things are not working for them. Obstacles in the environment. My boss is, is holding me back. I've got this partner that won't, you know, share information. Um, the marketplace is bad right now. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough resources, you know, on and on and on. That's a sight problem, right? Mm-hmm. And people can just get caught up in that where their whole world is just about looking at the things that are around them that they have to overcome. Very um, less people and fewer people spend 80% of their time talking to me about their visions. And that's where I want to get folks to. It's like, what are you trying to create? What are you trying to build in the, you know, in this company, in your life, you know, for the people that you care about around you? That's a much more interesting question for me. And that has the elements of, you know, um, a birth. You've got to envision something that doesn't exist right now. You've got to create something from nothing. So, how do you do that? That's that's a whole other radio conversation, Maureen. <laughs> well, we'll have to have you on again. I mean, that's what makes it different. You know, that's what when you take a. CEO and make him from, uh, you know, good to great. That's the difference. Yeah, people who have yes. Oh, my God, that was a perfect ending. I could have, I could have scripted it. Yeah. We are, gonna yeah. Ha- we are definitely going to have you on and talk about vision and sight, and, and um, I know all about vision. Anyway, I want to thank my guest, Jocelyn Kung of The Kung Group. Check out her website. And I want to thank my inc- um, incredible executive producer, John Missile. He's my motivation. And Justin Jackman, you're the best. And uh, don't forget... Have a great week. Don't forget to relate to your public, whoever they may be. Thanks again for listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by Cision, helping communications experts navigate the sea of social media. Visit them on the web at us.cision.com. And make sure you join us again next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Have a great week.